This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Alzamon, heart of the dark, the creator of this miserable content. Gleam and Tom has read the series cover to cover, book to book. So while he might forget some of the small details, he very well might talk about something major several books down. So if yet, so if you have yet to read the entire series, well, who's to blame, listener? Not I, who went and ruined the greatest fantasy series ever to exist. Not I. <laughs> um, okay, Balsman, that, that was really nice, but, uh, you, you kind of made a mistake and, and, and fubbed one of your lines, so if you don't mind actually re- No! I will not redo it! That is your problem, making us take such a long freaking break, okay? I'm out of practice. I don't even want to be here in the first place, but the great Lord of the Dark has given me no other recourse. Okay, well, um, I, 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 I guess we'll move along then, huh? Well, if you're not willing to do it, we might as well just move on to the recap. I don't want to waste too much more time. Again, we were gone for a really long time, so yeah. You ready to do the recap for Chapter 16, The Wisdom? Yes, fine. You might as well move along. Not much happened in that chapter anyways, other than being a naive-centric chapter. <laughs> Honestly, who wanted that? Hey, I wanted that. I love Nynaeve. She may have her attitude problems later, but I, she's one of my favorite female characters. Don't you mess with Nynaeve. She'll mess you up, dude. She may not be as strong as you are, but she's nastier, I guarantee it, man. Yeah, okay then. Nynaeve can totally handle me. It's not like she had trouble with Mogidian later, and, you know, she's weaker than I am, or she had problem with Agador, and he's weaker than I am. Alright, let's just get into this, because I honestly don't want to laugh too much here. I got a, I got a thing to maintain as nameless, you know, I gotta be dark and mysterious and awesome. So, uh, yes, Nynaeve, the wisdom, showed up. That child with a braid that's actually... Worryingly strong. Not as strong as me, of course. But worryingly strong for her kind. And, um, well, she wanted to take the children back to Emmons Field, but the child, I said I wouldn't let her. And honestly, I'd hope she succeeded. It would have made it so much easier to take them all and destroy them. But, you know, didn't happen. Of course. I, not that I had anything to worry about since the dragon went and told my faithful hound where he was. I mean, come on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the, the wisdom girl was talked out of taking them home, and then they, they, they went and she went to go do her own thing. No, no, she had a moment with the dragon, didn't she? She confirmed he wasn't born in the two rivers, and he was all upset about it, but she was sweet. <sighs> anyway. I think that's all that really happened, you know? She terrified the Emmonsfielders and got them all scared, and the child, Ice and I, talked her down, and the Gleeman talked her down even better, and then the, 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 the stone-faced warder made her all, you know, hot and bothered, and, and that was it. That was it. Can we move on now? It's time for Chapter 17, Watchers and Hunters, right? Yes, it is finally time to move on. Welcome back, everybody, to Gleeman Radio's Return to the Wheel of Time podcast. 
episode 18. Today we're going to be covering chapter 17, Watchers and Hunters. I am so, so, so sorry for the long hiatus, guys. That was all my bad. The fact that I had still had people listening... The fact that I had people uh, following me on Twitter, I mean, the only reason I could think they're doing that is because they're listening to this, so thank you so much. I am so sorry. It's finally time to get a move on. I don't really have anything else to say. Balsamon and I covered it all. He, he, he left as soon as he was done with with with, with his uh, you know recap. It, it, I had to cut it out because the screeching, horrible sound when he uses the true power to travel back to Sheogul is just horrible on the head, okay? It, here, it hurts my head. My head is still ringing. If I put it in the podcast, you guys probably would have all collapsed. I don't know, especially if you're listening to podcasts with headphones like I do. Uh, it just would have been awful. So, yeah, without further ado, we're going to go go ahead and put in our clip of the day and then move on with the discussion. Yes, I'm so glad to be back. You will take me to your camp, White Cloak. Moraine's voice came suddenly from every direction at once. She had moved back into the night at the children's approach and shadows clumped around her. You will question me. Darkness wreathed her as she took a step forward. It made her seem taller. You will bar my way? Another step, and Rand gasped. She was taller, her head level with his, or he sat on the gray's back. Shadows clung about her face like thunderclouds. I Sedai! Bornholt shouted, and five swords flashed from their sheaths. Die! The other four hesitated, but he slashed at her in the same motion that cleared his sword. Rand cried out as Moraine's staff rose to intercept the blade. That delicately carved wood could not possibly stop hard-swung steel. Sword met staff, and sparks sprayed in a fountain, a hissing roar hurling Bornhold back into his white-cloaked companions. All five went down in a heap. Tendrils of smoke rose from Bornhold's sword on the ground beside him, blade bent at a right angle, where it had melted almost in two. You dare attack me? Oh, man, I'm so excited to get into the chapter breakdown. Uh, chapter 17, Watchers and Hunters, was a pretty good chapter. It starts out wholesome, right? You got the common room stuff, you got naive, you got dancing, you got fun, you got going to get a glass of milk before bed. And then it kind of d- evolves into badassery with murdrawls and Moraine doing, you know, becoming a giant that blocks out the moon and <laughs> blocking swords with her staff. Oh, like, it, it has the best of both words, worlds for me. And I really, I really, really like that. So the chapter picks off immediately after the last one. Rand is walking away from Nynaeve, who went off to do her, you know, bath today, tomorrow, who knows. Uh, And he needs to take his mind off Nynaeve. Because one, Min said she'd cause more trouble being there, that they were in a little bit more danger with her there. And two, she confirmed he was born outside the two rivers. I'm still uncertain if she believes he really is the biological son of Kari Thor or not. But, you know, or if she just meant, you know, he's her son as in he raised her and he, she raised him and she loves him. 
but regardless, he needs to clear his head because this is just he's he, this has made him unhappy, uncomfortable. He's worried. So he decides to go and blow off some steam in the common room. And that's where he finds Tom Marilyn, gleaming extraordinaire, probably my favorite character, or always in the running for it, uh, telling the great hunt of the horn to a rapt crowd. I mean, everybody, like, everybody is watching with mouths hanging open. Servers are stocked still with trays in their hands, mouth hanging open. Like, every chair or stool is practically full. I mean, it's crazy. And Rand actually has to squeeze in with Matt and Parrot, and they kind of have to budge aside and give him a little bit of room, but, you know, they're, you know, Rand and Parrot are big boys, so, like, like I hope Matt budged the most, because he's a bit of a skinnier fella, kind of got more of an athletic build, you know? And, uh, yeah, they sit down, and they're all enjoying the stories, because Tom's telling The Great Hunt of the Horn, and there's so many tellings of it that I believe they said it would take a week or more to tell the whole thing in full, and it, it, I, find, I find that really amusing, because that's kind of how the Wheel of Time is now. Like, if you put all the audiobooks together, it'd probably take a week or more to listen to them all in a row without sleeping, without resting, without stopping. And uh, uh, it, it just makes you wonder if Robin jo Robert Jordan, before he passed, um, or around the time he wrote this novel, if he ever thought it would be that expansive. Probably not, because I think it was originally supposed to be a trilogy. But it's just fun to think about that The Great Hunt now equivalates to the Wheel of Time. I, it's, just, it's just great. Um, Rand's hungry, uh, but he doesn't mind that the servers are stocked still because he's enjoying listening to Tom's Tales too. We hear about Rosh Eagle Eye and Blaze Matuchin and Geidel Kane, all of which are Heroes of the Horn, uh, which is kind of cool that the heroes that go searching for the horn that are most famous for it are perhaps bound to it. I think that's really cool. Uh, I actually looked it up in the Wheel of Time Companion because I wanted to know more about Blaze Matuchin because they made it sound so interesting. If I remember right, uh, Tom was saying something like, ever since she was born, the Dark One had marked her for his own, but not of the Shadow Rot was Blaze. No, not her. It was, it was great. I love the way he tells these stories. Um, there wasn't much about her in the Wheel of Time Companion, which was a little disappointing. Uh, it basically just said, Hero of the Horn with pretty gold hair. Yay. I mean, you know, you could pretty much, that's Birgitta. So, mm, whatever. I don't know. I was hoping for more there. Rosh Eagle Eye is pretty cool, but nowadays all I can think of when I hear Rosh Eagle Eye is Hawkeye Mihawk. So, <laughs> I don't I don't know. Uh, and, of course, we all know who Geidel Kane is. Uh, oh! Oh, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. Could Blaze Matuchin be a version of Birgitta? Because she was mentioned alongside Geidel in these stories. Uh, well, not in the same stories, but she was mentioned in the same, like, paragraph. And she has blonde hair. I, I, I mean, I do know I read that she was a hero for the horn, but all it said was that she was a hero of the horn with golden hair. And that would be cool if Blaze was just another name, you know, kind of like Marin and uh, oh, there's other names I can't remember them. Um, yeah, so uh, that was it for the songs and everything, for you know, uh, because Tom moves on. 
He puts away the harp, uh, and he pulls out the flute. It's time for singing and dancing and clapping. I've never been into dancing. I, I don't know why. I know there are some guys that enjoy it, uh, mainly because, you know, you dance with the girls, but it's just I was never very coordinated on my feet in that way. So when I watch these scenes, I mean, I think I'd be the guy sitting at the table clapping on his knee or something. Uh but, you know, they seem to really enjoy it, and it's probably because this is one of their main forms of entertainment. You either listen to a story, listen to some music, uh, or you get up and dance and have a good time. So, who am I to say, you know? So, I kind of like how they get up and everybody moves a bunch of the tables and stools and benches or whatever to the side so there's room to dance. I like that. Uh, and everybody's clapping, and everybody's getting into it, and, uh, Tom is standing on a table playing his flute, and right next to him, a drummer guy got out, and, uh, another guy with a hammered dulcimer. Uh, if you don't know what a hammered dulcimer is, think of kind of a box with strings attached to it, maybe like an early form of a guitar. I, I'm not a music guy. I can't confirm or deny, but it's a percussion string instrument, uh, wrapped around like a hollow box with, you know, stuff like that. So... Everybody's getting ready to dance. Uh, Rand and Perrin get up. They want to dance. They want to have a good time. Uh, but Matt was too late. He he was the last to get up. So he sulkily has to stay and guard the cloaks and weapons, which I found hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Matt had to sit around and sit, sit on his ass, which is not something Matt really likes to do. Uh, yeah, so dancing must be really fun for these people because they are loving it, even though... Uh, the way the dance was subs described. Again, I'm not an expert, but it sounded like a square dance to me. Uh, you can let me know if I'm wrong, but it sounds like they're square dancing. And, and square dancing is not fun. I, I don't know. Uh, so Rand gets in line, and his first dancing partner is this pretty girl with a long braid and a shy smile, and he's like, oh, this reminds me of home, maybe this isn't so bad, and then she gives him another smile and a wink that wasn't shy at all, <laughs> and suddenly, Rand's nervous, <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, not good with the ladies. I mean, he, he, he might get three women who love him, and maybe more. Uh, only three women who count, really, in this situation. But uh, he's not good with it, no. <laughs> he's very uncomfortable with the kind of forward lady. I mean, he, eh, I don't know. He's not as uncomfortable comfortable with it when Elaine kind of starts pushing things later. So I don't know. Or Avienda. Or Mitt. Oh, my God. They all made the first move. Holy crap! They all made the first move. Huh. I didn't think about that before. Okay, moving on, moving on. I'm, I'm just... Yeah. Okay, so everybody's having a good time. The entire common room is smiling and laughing. All except one dude. This scowling guy with a scar from his temple to his opposite jaw sitting in the corner. And he's watching Rand. And Rand's just like, oh... Huh. And then he kind of goes back and he's like, well, I don't know why the guy's staring at me so hard. I didn't mean to stare. I didn't mean to offend the fella. Wow. All right. I'm going to go back to my thing here, you know. And uh, then he goes to the next girl in line and nearly trips over his feet because it's naive. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, he's just not good with the ladies. He's he's just not. He dances all clumsily and kind of, you know, trips over his feet a little bit. And after the dance and they're moving on to the next partner, I love how Nadine gives him a gentle tease. You know, like, I thought you were a better dancer than this. And then, you know, a smile and moves on. She's being nice. You know, and he's like, oh, God, at least that's over. That was terrifying. Nope. Who's the next girl in line? Lady in line, excuse, excuse me, uh, Moraine. Moraine dances with him, and he nearly falls twice, which I I, 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 I could not stop laughing. I, I literally nearly dropped the book in my big expansive guffaw, you know what I mean? I, I, I nearly, oh, it was great. Nearly tripped over his damn feet. It, it, it To me, it was just too funny. Um, finally she moves on and, uh, he dances with Egwene, but they both kind of stubbornly dance quietly, you know, like he was going to open his mouth and apologize, but then she kind of goes, no, and she looks away and he's just like, fine, if she's not going to, I'm not going to either. And they just, they dance sullenly, which is, you know, part of the course for them. It's really good. They broke up. They only, they only have a few good moments as a potential couple. They really do better as kind of brother and sister kind of relationship, you know, pushing at each other, making each other better. You know, they, they interact well when they're not in a relationship. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, so finally, Rand's had enough for a little while, so he sits down so Matt can dance. And Matt hurries off to the next one, which is some sort of jig. I don't care. I really don't care about the dancing. It's more the interactions that I, I enjoy. Um, and Perrin sits down with him, and he's all bluster. He's like, did you see her? Did you? Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. And, uh, <laughs> Ram's like, yeah, who? Mistress Alice or the Wisdom? I danced with them both. He's, <laughs> it sounded cocky to me, even though it probably wasn't, but <laughs> it's just the way it was phrased, you know? I dance with both of them. Which one are you talking about, big fella? And parents just like, the ice, I mean, Mistress Alice? Holy shit, light. I didn't see her. I, he was just shocked to see Nynaeve had been dancing. Because apparently she never dances back at home. Um, which is weird. Maybe the women's council, uh, the, sorry, the women's circle doesn't approve. Maybe they think it's too, um... Showy? I don't know. We all know Emmons Field is quite prudish, you know. So I, I really, I really don't know why she wouldn't really be allowed to dance. Maybe she, maybe she could dance, but she doesn't because she's trying to keep her stately, you know, station. She's trying to keep up appearances. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe she doesn't normally dance. Maybe she wouldn't have danced, but maybe she was hoping a certain uh, tall. Uh, you know, stone-faced warder would have been in the dance, you know? Because she did get all blushy last chapter when he complimented her about her tracking, so... Uh, yeah. So, the... Dan... The... the oh, God, what am I thinking? The servers finally get back into action and remember what they're supposed to be doing after a couple dances. Eh, I guess they had some fun, too. 
and they go and serve Rand a hot meal, like, I, I think it was stew and bread or something, uh, and he enjoyed it, and then he goes back to dancing a couple more times, very much aware that the Scarface man is still watching him, and Rand's getting irritated now, and I love how, like, you know, this, this book came out in, what, 89? And it's kind of PC here, you know? He's like, wow, I don't know why he's so mad at me. I didn't mean to stare. I'm sorry. You know, maybe he can't smile because of his scar. He can leave me alone, though. I, I didn't mean to upset him. God, like, he, he's, getting, he's getting frustrated, you know? Didn't mean to offend the man, but he's trying to ignore it. And he's getting back into the dancing, and he dances with Nynaeve and Moraine again. And uh, he did better this time. <laughs> he did better. And he even got a couple compliments from both of them, which didn't make him feel any better. I mean, in fact, he got him embarrassed and feeling worse, which makes sense, right? You don't want to be reminded that you kind of looked like a doofus and were tripping over your feet with two beautiful, powerful women earlier on. You don't, you don't want to remember that. Uh, and he dances with Egwene again. And apparently this dance was even worse. Not not that they didn't perform well on the dance floor, but more like when he sits back down, apparently Matt said he was glaring at her. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because when she finally showed up to dance, uh, her hair wasn't braided, but it was wrapped up in a bow. Like she couldn't figure out whether she wanted to cater to Moraine or Nynaeve, you know? Like, you know, she did kind of shove off the Two Rivers customs pretty quick. I don't know. But yeah, apparently he was glaring at Egwene, which I found funny. So around midnight, Moraine goes up and decides, you know, she's done. Time to go to bed. And she's kind of followed by Egwene after she gives her a look, you know. If Moraine's going up, Egwene's going up. Uh, and I love how Nynaeve deliberately took part in one last dance. And uh, they describe it as she was. She looked as if she had scored a point on the ice and I. What part of like was it? Was it staying up longer? Is that what it was? Like maybe she outdanced the ice and I. Maybe the ice and I got tired and had to go to bed. And she's like, I still got stamina to spare. I, I don't. I don't know. I, like I know guys sometimes. I've actually had arguments and competitions with my friends. You know. <gasps> Oh, I've stayed up 24 hours before, no problem. Oh, I've stayed up 36. Oh, I've stayed up 48. Well, I've stayed up 72. Things got weird, but I was up for three days. You know, maybe it's a guy thing. But that just doesn't want it seem that it seems it, it is. I, 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 don't, I don't know. She's looking for these tiniest reasons to get a leg up on Moraine, and it's weird. But adorable. I love Nynaeve. I love her so much. I've noticed I like the ladies with attitude. You know, uh, I like Nynaeve. I like Avienda. I like Min. Min's got less of a, you know, angry side. But she's got that attitude. I like Egwene best when her attitude is in the right way. I like Cadswane. I like Moraine when she's starting to get frustrated. I, I, I like the wise ones because they're such hard asses in the best possible way. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just my type. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what she's doing here. I don't, I don't know what she's doing here. Uh, so, yeah, Tom's done too this time. So, Nynaeve stayed up till the end, apparently. Tom's putting away his flute while, and ending the dancing at night. Uh, while he's good-naturedly arguing with people who still want him to perform, 
which I think is fun. He's that good, or they needed the the fun that badly. Uh, I like it. I just do. Uh, the warder came to fetch. <laughs> came to fetch. My notes say game. Okay. Uh, the boys telling them they had an early start in the morning and they needed to get some rest. Yeah, that's great. They're leaving at dawn and they're going to bed at midnight. That's great rest. Uh, how did they know it's midnight? You know, that's the thing that just came to my, med my head. Did they, like, tell the time by the position of the stars out the window? I don't know. Um, yeah. Need an early start. Uh, Matt brought up being stared by a man with a scarred face, and Rand's like, oh, oh, this guy? And then he kind of, like, drags his finger across his face, and Matt's like, yeah, yeah, that guy, what's his problem? And Perrin's like, yeah, yeah. and Land's like, huh, I saw the man. Fitch says he's a white cloak spy, and Rand... <laughs> <laughs> Rand wonders if Bornhold really wanted to get back at him that badly. Which proves, even though in an earlier chapter, he kind of mentioned bad things he's heard the White Cloaks do, and even saying, like, if you can call the things they do kind of trouble, it, it proves he doesn't understand them yet. Would they really want to get him back at him that badly? Yes. Yes. The White Cloaks are awful. You laughed at them, Rand. You must be a dark friend. You didn't bow and scrape, Rand. You must be a dark friend. That's how it works. I hate the White Cloaks. There's so few White Cloaks I like, but I'm going to have to get into this big rant later because they suck in this chapter, so I might as well move it on to that. So, yeah, yeah. Rand is stupid about the White Cloaks. What's new? I keep getting feeling bad about giving Rand all this shit. But if Rand stopped screwing up, I wouldn't have to get this upset at him. I'm just saying. Uh, so they're moving on, and Matt's like, you know, God, what? Oh, it's time for bed. Where's Nynaeve staying? Uh, and the boys learn that she's rooming with Moraine and Egwene. Ooh, I kind of I kind of imagine all three kind of do an inhale. Ooh, no, unpleasant. Like, poor Egwene. I've been giving her shit, too, but... Can you imagine being between those two? Ooh, yikes. Oh man, I hope I hope you don't hear that train too loudly. Uh, it's still going. Okay, there we go. Oh, just just imagine. Really, just imagine being in between those two in an argument. Ooh, not fun. Not fun. So as the men are leaving the common room and heading uh, towards the stairs, uh, we get a little thing of that I really like. Matt is singing bits of song that he heard, which to me is great because later on when you know Matt wakes up from his healing of the Shatter Logarth dagger that's going to come up here eventually, uh, he starts the thing of humming and singing a lot without noticing, right? And it was always something that made you wonder, is this something he always did or is this a effect of the memories? Is this part of his new personality that he's so into music? But no, here he is, like, really into singing, really into the music. And I like that. Uh, it's good continuity for me. Uh, also, Perrin's practicing a few dance steps he learned. <laughs> Which means Perrin's into dancing. We know he can't sing because at one point he describes his singing to be like a bullfrog, you know? <laughs> Um, so we know he can't sing, but apparently he likes to dance, which probably bodes well for Fael, um, who likes to dance a bit more, right? Huh? The Sasara? Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I can't wait till we get to Fail. I don't care if people dislike her. I love her. Like the only like really problem I have with Fail is that 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 her not communicating with Perrin what she wants. And her overlong capture. I probably said this before. I should I should move on. I just say what comes into my mind along with the notes I'm reading. Uh, yeah. So, Rand is not ready to go to sleep. He's like, mm, uh, I'm gonna get a glass of milk before bed because I'm a wholesome farm boy. And, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's gonna go to the kitchen. But Lan's a bit tense. Lan's like, there's something feels wrong, Sheepherder. Something isn't right. It feels wrong in the night. And he, so you take care. And hurry up, get your milk, and go to bed, because we're leaving at dawn, whether you're uh, awake enough to sit in the saddle or need to be tied on. I love Lan, he's so cool. Uh, I can only imagine these boys being tied on the saddle, it would actually be amusing. Uh, and that's when the laughter's gone, guys, because that's when the merge all shows up. Rand's just heading back to his room, leaving the kitchen, heading down that hallway, you know, taking a little sip of his milk, and all of a sudden, something just horrible and nasty materializes out of the shadows, and the Merdral appears and begins to question him. He's like, you're one of them, boy. Where are the others? Speak, and I'll let you live. Um, but Rand is too scared to move, to think, to breathe. And uh, I think the Merdral should be used to this by now. People always get frightened and by the eyeless, right? I, I, I think he should have, like, dragged Rand into a corner or the private dining room or something and questioned him. But no. He's just like, answer, boy. I know you're probably too scared, but answer. And it makes no sense to me. Terrifying. Fades are terrifying. I don't, I don't care. I know that they come become kind of cannon fodder later but think about it right Merdral are scary throughout the entire series I don't care what you have to say because when they're cannon fodder they're cannon fodder to our OP characters right the average guy that tries to take on a Merdral is still in danger Lan can face a Merdral without problem why because Robert Jordan himself has claimed he is like the best blade master around Period, right? Uh, funny enough, I actually put a poll on Twitter on what you guys thought was the most your favorite Blade Master. Tamal Thor won. I like that. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, like Land can Land's the best swordsman ever, right? Perrin's a wolf brother, which I don't think comes with just heightened senses. Okay, it comes with also heightened reflexes. It also comes with that fiery willpower, right? And he is a big, powerful dude, and he has to crush and destroy the Neverborn, right? Matt has all of these ridiculous memories of combat, so of course he's gonna do well, and he has a weapon that keeps him at distance. And Egwene, Nynaeve, Elaine, uh, Moraine, Rand, these are all extremely powerful channelers, okay? As in, Egwene and Elaine and Avienda are ridiculously strong from Aes Sedai standards, right? And Nynaeve is well above that. So I don't think the Merdral really just get 
too less scary. I think it's our characters get too strong as time moves on. I just want to make that clear. Merger all are scary from chapter one to the end, okay? It just depends on who's facing them. That's my opinion. Uh, I, I went off I went off tangent. Oh no, where am I? You, oh yeah, you are one of them, blah, blah, blah. But the fate's taking too much time, right? Rand's not going to answer because he's too scared. And all of a sudden, there's a loud clatter of boots upstairs. And it makes the Fade nervous. The Fade spins around and pulls out its black blade, staring up the stairwell. And uh, this is really, really, really cool. His sword is described to, like, make the light in the hallway. The dim light, yes. But the dim light in the hallway grow dimmer. How cool is that? Is that ever mentioned again? I don't know. Maybe we just maybe it's because we don't see too many Merdral in towns anymore. We always see them on battlefields and stuff. But I just it was so cool. Just can you imagine that in the show coming up? Huh? Like he pulls out his sword and then the whole hallway dims a little bit more. And maybe his black blade is like darker than the shadows. Oh so cool. Speaking of the show. How many of you heard about Rosamund Pike, if I'm saying that name right, as Moraine? I'm a little nervous. I've only seen her in Jack Reacher, and her character, not her, her character was kind of bland. Again, I haven't seen the movie in years, but her character was kind of bland, right? Um, I, 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 need a, I need to look up uh, interviews with her and stuff like that to get more confident, but she's just, she's just not exactly what I pictured when I thought of Moraine. I, I'm, not, I'm not against her at all um but she just seems a bit taller than i'd expect and uh part of, part of the problem is probably that she has blonde hair in almost every picture i've seen and i picture moraine as this like five foot one dark haired dark-eyed beauty and she she she's beautiful yes but just not exactly what i pictured so i'm a, I'm a little nervous again tangents good god i'm so sorry um where was i <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the blade uh, okay the blade growing dimmer and then i talked about the show which brought me to moraine's casting which yeah okay so he whirls back around the merdral and looks towards rand and i love how they also describe while he's whirling around his cloak is still which again creepy that'd be cool to see in the show too i'm so excited guys so excited um and he turns to Rand and he tells him, You belong to the great Lord of the Dark, before whirling away and running off just before Lan appears. Running off just before Lan appears. Just saying, a Merdral ran away from Alan Mandrogorin, okay? Last Lord of the Seven Towers. I mean, it probably had to do with keeping a low profile, but still, props to the Warder, right? Props to the King of Warders, right? Oh, I love it. Even if it's just a coincidence, even if it really is the Merdral needs to keep a low profile, you can always count that as a badass point that he ran away when land was coming. And I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So, yeah, it's time to leave. They found them. They, they, it's, it's time to go. There, there, there's no way around it. Rand tells Land about the Fade, and Land kind of cocks his head, and he's like, yeah, I can sense it. It's fading. Fading. Yeah, it's gone. So it makes me think it probably hopped into a shadow and went away, which was never properly explained. I want more I want more about the shadow hopping from Merdral. Maybe we'll see that in the show too. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh yeah, he's fading and gone. 
the reason Land senses this is probably because his Shadow Spawn sense granted to him by the Water Bond. Another cool aspect I really like. And this is the first time we really get a uh, in-person example about that. Because earlier, we only got a, got told about how Land and Moraine kind of ran out. And we're like, Trollocs, Trollocs, this is dangerous, we gotta go. So, yeah. Uh, Matt and Perrin and Tom come down the stairs right after Land, draped in all their belongings. And I don't know why I like it so much. But the fact that it was Tom that had all of Rand's stuff and handed it over to the young man, I, I mean, I don't know. Someone had to take it down. But still, the fact that it's Tom, I like. I don't know why. Maybe he had less belongings on him because he's used to traveling around. Maybe he had, like, a single saddlebag or, you know, his cloak. and I, I, I don't know. But for some reason, it warmed my heart that it was Tom. I can't explain why. Maybe because Tom is great. And I'm like, there's another reason Tom is awesome. He cares about the lads. Yep, another point. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Ah. Uh, Lance says they're leaving now. As in, right now. In the night. And Rand's surprised. He's like, but Lan, like, what, can we, can we, like, do we really have to leave now? And he's like, Okay, sure, you can stay. If you want to stay and wait for the half-men to return, perhaps with more of their kind. <laughs> like, now that they know where we are, we're not safe here. We gotta go. There's, there, there's no choice. Uh, and Rand's like, oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Tam states he'll continue... Not Tam. Tom states he'll continue on with them if the warder has no objections. Uh, and that too many people saw him arrive in their company for him to be entirely comfortable with how things are going. So he's going to go with them. But of course, we know it's because of Owen and him wanting to keep the lads safe and stay with them. Uh, and I really, really like Land's words here. He's like, you can ride with us or ride to Shale Ghoul, Gleeman. <laughs> and then he like rams his sword back in his sheath. Oh, it's great. I think he still distrusts Tom. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think Moraine's already kind of attracted to him a little bit. I think Moraine is attracted to uh, intelligence and cleverness, which are not the same thing. I think you guys know that. Uh, and Tom has those in spades, right? You know, she had that really delighted laugh when he was intimidating uh, the, the fairy man with his knives and everything. I'm wondering if Lan felt some emotions through the water bond that he can't quite pick up because, well, he's not interested in relationships right now. And she's not interested in relationships. They're soldiers in battle. So maybe part of the reason he's actually having problems with Tom is Tom might be very slightly distracting Moraine. I don't know. I... I, 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 what, I wasn't surprised when later we found out that they were kind of coupling up or kind of a thing. I wasn't surprised. And it wasn't that I picked up all of this stuff earlier on. I think I did subconsciously. I just, they were there and I'm like, yep, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I, I, I bring it up every time I talk about both of them in a paragraph. But whatever. I, I just, whatever. <laughs> Alright guys, just to be clear, if I ever, you ever feel like I'm going on a topic too long, like if I'm ever spending too much time on, oh, Moraine and Tom, or, oh, I love Nynaeve, or I love Fayil, or any of this stuff, let me know. I, I Sometimes I can't remember everything I talked about the previous episode or five episodes back, so I might repeat myself on some of this stuff. 
Uh, so let me know if it ever bothers you guys, because the least I can do is rephrase my arguments or, you know, use them less often. I don't, I don't have to simply say, I love Maureen and Tom so much together every episode, you know? My current favorite Wheel of Time podcast, there's so many popping up now and it's amazing, uh, but I'm trying not to listen to too many of them. It sounds horrible, but, you know, like, I got my balls on voice idea for listening to old Twatcast episodes, right? I, I liked how they uh, did the Minion and Dark One voice uh, for some of their commercials and stuff. I found it really amusing, so I decided, oh, I want to do my own Ballsamon voice. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too influenced by other people's work. I don't, I don't want to take what makes theirs special, you know? They, Twatcast were using these as funny little commercials, and I kind of use them as my intro, you know? Like, the Dragon Reread, is currently my favorite ongoing Wheel of Time podcast. It's the only one I listen to week to week. Um, and I'm getting a little frustrated with every new person being a Forsaken. You know, they're joking. They're playing. They're having a good time. And I can get that. But, you know, when they, you know, we meet a Gwen's, a Gwen's new maid. Oh, she like, they're, they're close too soon. She's a Forsaken. Or, oh, we met this person. They're a Forsaken. Like, it, it's... It can get a little frustrating. I'm going to keep listening to them, but, like, you know, if I could go, guys, guys, just a little bit less on it, and they heard me, that'd be great. But if they didn't, whatever. Um, so if I'm ever, you know, doing that stuff to you, l let me know. I, I Just comment it, email me, you know, put it on Twitter, uh, gleemanradio at gmail.com and thegleemanradio at Twitter. Um, you know, just just let me know, and I'll, I'll definitely try to work on that. Uh, I don't want to ever become monotonous to you guys, because I am one person alone, you know, which has always concerned me on this podcast, but, uh, while I was, uh, I was taking a brief break after I recorded my introduction and got my clip, right, and I went on Twitter, and I, I posted, you know, the new episode's gonna be up tomorrow and everything, and then I was going through it, and I saw, uh, the Weekly Wheel of Time News actually did a shout-out about me and said, this guy has great energy, and, you know, he's very funny for one guy alone, and the dog's barking at the window. I hate you so much, Johnny. Um, it made me feel so good. It just made me feel so good. It made my week, guys. It made my week. I, I, did I go on a tangent again? Just, just let me know on Twitter, let me know on email, let me know in the comments on YouTube or on Podbean or where ever and I'll do my best to make this the best listening experience for you now if you'll excuse me I have to go get the dog before he starts barking for five minutes at a shadow outside it's just just a second alrighty I'm back I don't know if it showed up on the podcast or not sometimes they'll go out there and just bark and 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 bark it gets on my nerves. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it showed up or not. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I just don't want there to be dogs barking in the background of my podcast. Uh, so I had to go put him away in the other room. Ugh. All right. All right. Moving on. Before I have another tangent, I'm sweating through my shirt. I can't really record with my, you know, fan or my uh, air conditioner on. I'm getting a little, whoo, a little impatient. It's a good thing I yield aren't real <laughs> because they're like one of my favorite peoples in the series uh i think i'd like the sea folk more if they weren't you know such jerks all the time um but like they'd start laughing their butts at me when i start sweating like crazy in the late 70s i mean it's in it's in the 90s here but like you know 
when it gets to the high 70s, I already start getting uncomfortable. So I, I wouldn't love my favorite people's really, really giving me a hard time. It would, it would hurt. Um, yeah, so let's, let's, let's move on before I go on yet another tangent. I think I've been going on for like five plus minutes on, on nothing about the chapter. So, I don't know. Um, Moraine appeared coming down the stairs, and she's speaking with Master Fitch, and Egwene and Nynaeve are behind them. And Egwene appears so frightened close to tears, which surprised me. Maybe she was worried about Rand. Maybe, maybe Moraine's like, oh, Shadow Spawn! And, uh, one of the boys are downstairs. Maybe she slipped it out or something because of, you know, the coin or whatever. Uh, or maybe she's just afraid of the Shadow Spawn. I don't know. I, I, I kind of don't see her just being afraid because one's nearby. But, you know, she is younger and less experienced here. Uh, but, uh, Nynaeve got this kind of cold anger going on. She's not being intimidated. I love that. And Moraine's telling the innkeeper that there'll probably be trouble by morning. That, that this is bad now. Possibly dark friends, maybe worse. So, innkeeper, old friend that I'm actually quite fond of, right? Immediately tell them where they've left and you don't know where they've gone. Put up no resistance, just tell them they left in the night, and they shouldn't bother you any further. Moraine is, Moraine actually told this person, dark friends or worse. She did the best she could. And for us knowing how secretive Moraine is, how much she's of a hmm, need-to-know basis on everybody, for her to say this proves she cares about this person, right? But Master Fitch is having none of it, though. He's like, no, we won't say a word. Not a word, Mistress Alice. They won't hear a word from us. Not one. And Moraine's just getting frustrated. She's like, no, no. Tell them we left. Tell them we left. No. Now, if you don't mind me, I have to go. Be and tend to your horses if you want to leave. But good button. And she's like, no. And she, sh he, she had, like, a hand on his wrist, on his sleeve. And she kind of, he shook it free and went off. And it's... He's being a good host, but uh, poor guy. We know what's going to happen. Uh, Matt asks if Trollocs will be coming after them at the end. But Maureen just snaps at him. She's like, of course not. But there are other things to fear. Fades, dark friends, probably. And most importantly, she wants to know how they found us. How did they know? How? You want to know, Maureen? You want to know? Pot on fame. Want to know how, Maureen? Wanna know how? Stupid rant. Telling Pot on Fan, we'll be at the Stag and Lion. Why don't you come by? We can at least get you a meal. <clears throat> you are you guys already know my feelings on this. I'm just <laughs> gonna move on. Gonna move on. Moraine is super frustrated because Fitch won't take the threat seriously enough. Uh, apparently, according to her, he probably thinks dark friends are like wretches in the shadows. You know, beggars and just nasty. They, she, he thinks they're all like pot on fame. <laughs> but like pot on fame in Camelin, not here, right? Pot on Fane after he's in rags and smelly and nasty. That's what he thinks all dark friends are but no no she's like there are dark friends high as well as low and and, and he's just being stupid <clears throat> i feel bad because master fitch this is like the only time we ever see him we hear about him later from men when they're in tarvalin 
but this is the last time we see him, and he was a pretty damn good innkeeper. We meet a lot of innkeepers on this series, but, like, not all of them are as nice as Master Fitch. <sighs> I hope, I, I don't know why I'm saying I hope. I already know if things are going to go wrong for him. So, on their way out to the stable yard, Rand falls in with Nynaeve carrying her saddlebags. And he just takes a look and he goes, wow, Min was right. She is part of it. She is coming. Damn it. <laughs> Personally, I'd be happy about it. Oh, Nynaeve's coming with us? <laughs> well, a lot of people are going to give us a lot less shrift, huh? A lot of people are going to give us less attitude, huh? Because Nynaeve will have none of it. Moraine doesn't have to stand out as, like, you know, the bossy one. She'd just be like, mm, those are in our way. What would you do about it, Mistress Al Almira? And Nynaeve's like, oh, I'll show you what I'm going to do about it. You know, pulling up her sleeves and marching out to handle it. I just, mm, I love Nynaeve. <laughs> Uh, I like, she keeps up her bravado, Nynaeve does. You know, she's like, no, I, I, I'll come with you, but I intend to see you home, and I mean it. So she's going to come along, because, like, maybe she'll go through the whole journey and see them home or something, maybe it's her mindset. I don't know. She doesn't want them to be among strangers, which is kind of along the lines of what the Village Council and Women's Circle were talking about, what we heard from Nynaeve. You know, part of them wanted to under wanted them brought home, and some of them understood that if the Aes Sedai was taking them, it must be important. But didn't want them among strangers. So Nynaeve's like, "Yep, I'll be I'll be the adult here that's with them, that's keeping them safe from the likes of her." <laughs> hmm. I noticed when she got all upset and said she wasn't going to leave them alone with the likes of her capital H-E-R, she didn't say them, right? Maybe she doesn't mind them being with Lan. Just, just, just saying. Words count, especially in a novel like this, okay? She hasn't said one nasty thing about the warder. <laughs> so she asks Rand if there really was anything down there with him, and Rand confirms. He's like, yup, there was a fade. He was scary. I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> and then Lan came and scared him off. <laughs> oh, yes. So as the horses are being led out and the gang are climbing into the saddle, Rand actually does something good for Egwene and he holds her bags for her while she mounts Bella and then hands them up to her. And he sees her fear-filled eyes again, and he's embarrassed, right? Because she's, he's thinking, well, she not, not, must not be as excited about her adventure anymore. She'd be safer riding back alone to the True Rivers rather than coming with them. You know, that's his thought process. Which, let's be honest, not really. There are Trollocs and Fades and Drakkar about, and... Those Trollocs would just go ham on a girl riding alone, riding a pony alone, you know, not a pony. Um, Bella's like a cart horse, not a pony. But you know what I mean? Egwene alone would, oh, immediately be killed. But Rand doesn't really know that. He just needs to cling to something. Like, you know, he's blaming himself, and he shouldn't be. He should be blaming her for forcing her way into the adventure, but, you know, since she's there and he knows how stubborn she is, and since she said she's going all the way to Tarvalin, she won't turn back. He knows that. 
Uh, I love how he thinks about men's words here. Not the part where they weren't right for each other, but the part where she's part of it. And he's sitting there going, part of what? This is so frustrating. This is, this is, he doesn't, he doesn't want there to be a big deal. None of them do, you know? Ah. So this is when Rand does the good thing. He mans up and apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry, Egwene. You know, we'll be safe. We'll look after each other. And Egwene actually puts out a nice moment, too. She reaches down and sque squeezes his wrist, you know, not looking as afraid this now. And knowing Egwene, this was either she's suppressing her fear to calm him, or his panic gave her strength to calm down. I can't decide which, but I think, you know, like... I honestly think with Egwene, it's probably his panic calmed her. Pete, to be honest, that's, that's what I think. So they're heading out now for the Camelon Gate and uh, have a little conversation with the guardsmen once they get there and a little bribe of gold. You know, they, they need to get through the gate, but the, but the guardsmen's like, you know, this gate doesn't open at night. That's not how things work. You know, which is why, you know, the bribe of gold. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so they're actually, Moraine and Lan are clever here. They're like, the governor may have said nobody in after dark, but you see, we don't want in. They want out. We want to leave. And, you know, they're, 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 they're edging the line there, you know. I don't think it would have worked on, forgive me here, a smarter individual or a guardsman that was higher up, you know, this is this is a guy who probably, you know, lives, you know, coin pouch to coin pouch, <laughs> you know, I wanted to say paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, so that little bribe of gold definitely helped work things out, so he's like, alright, alright, everybody get up, we're gonna open these doors, no complaining, you know, they didn't bribe me, it's time to go, <laughs> Didn't want them to know about the monies. Uh, so they start opening the gates. <sighs> but then they're interrupted by the white cloaks. <sighs> okay. So Bornhald and four other nameless white cloaks appear and start making asses of themselves. You know, aren't these gates supposed to be closed until morning? God, I hate the white cloaks. They're just a big, stupid ball of hatred and bigotry and, and for playing such a big, long-winded part in the story, there aren't even that many that are distinguished from the others. Honestly, can you even name ten separate white cloaks? Honestly, can you, can, can you do it? Anybody out there listening, right? Like, really? I can't. There's Born Hall Jr. and Senior. That's two, right? The Zealot Buyer, who's an ass, right? Valda, who's a bigger ass and kind of a rapist. When like, isn't he the guy that was all that was all over more gays? And then there's Isanawa, Ayanawa, whatever the hell that jerk questioner is. 
that 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 that, that, that was just evil. I think he's a dark friend too. It's it's pretty far out. I don't remember. You know, isn't that five? Bornhold, Bornhold, Bayer, Valda, Asnawa, Padon Fane, right? That's not Padon Fane, Padron Neal. You know, that's six, right? And then Galad, you know, seven, you know? And then Galad has a couple. Uh, uh, buddies around him that aren't actually too bad, but I can't remember any of their damn names. I, <laughs> I hate the white cloaks so much. Oh my god. The Shan Chan, right, are better than the white cloaks, even with their Idom slavery, okay? Shara, Shara is better than the white cloaks, even with their slavery and all their horribleness, because at least they stand for something. The white cloaks are just these, just bigots that are just contradictory. Oh, we stand in the light. We stand in the light. Except we're not going to do anything against dark friends. We're not going to go off to the borderlands where the shadow really is hanging over the head. We're not going to help these brave warriors fight off the darkness, we're going to go around and hold our noses up high and, and stare down at villagers who are just trying to live their lives, and we're going to cause problems. Oh my god. Back to the story. Back to the story. The guards at the gate try and act belligerent, saying, you know, the White Cloaks have no sway in Paralon. They have no sway with the governor. But then Bordahald pulls that bullshit line of, The children of the light hold sway wherever men walk in the light. Only in the shadow where the dark one reigns are the children denied. Yes? You can't see me, but I'm like, I'm like practically throwing my arms around. I'm so frustrated. I'm lost for words. I, I, I hate these guys so damn much. They're so pretentious and awful. And Okay. Okay, breathe. Breathe. I'm sitting here ranting in a microphone. This is super healthy. About fictional characters. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, I'm sure everyone who really gets into any kind of story, whether it's a video game, whether it's a novel, whether it's a movie or anime or whatever, has once or twice imagined themselves in the world they fancy, right? But damn, these kind of moments make me rethink it. I, I wouldn't be able to. I, I would love to go to the world of the Wheel of Time. Maybe not when it was in its moments of famine. Maybe, you know, uh, after this war, right? Maybe after Tarm and Gaiden. But I don't think I'd survive in the normal times. And not because of the heat when, you know, the Dark One's touching the world. Not because of the Shan Chan. Not because of the Aiel or the, 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 the Shido, you know? Not because even the Dark One. I think the first time I see a walk, white cloak walking down the street with his nose in the air and talking about uh, walking the light and it's an order, I, I don't think I'd be able to keep my damn mouth shut. You know? You better bow and scrape and lick their boots because if you don't, you're obviously a dark friend. Better not feel or say or even think anything different than they do or you're obviously a dark friend of light if i was lucky they'd only kill me but with my luck i'd probably end up in the hands of the questioners and my only hope there is that i wouldn't be able to 
prove myself innocent so I can at least mock them till death. But would I, I mean, I have a high t pain tolerance, but probably not that high. I, oh, sorry about that rant. It, it just kept going on and on, and I tried to go back and... Oh, damn the children of the light. Uh, honestly, they're not worth this much damn time in the whole series. Especially at this point in the story. We'll have enough of them soon enough. They're not enough. They're not worth my time. Sorry. They're not worth my time or your time at this point in the story. We'll have enough of that soon enough with Perrin and Egwene uh, and Bayer and Bornhold and all that. So let's just fast forward through the rest of this absolutely obnoxious encounter. Oh, light. I'm so sorry for going off on that long, people. I'm not going to lie, I got so worked up over fictional characters, I actually had to go out for a smoke and calm down. And I'm starting to think I might be an Ashaman because I go out there and it's constant lightning. The sky lit up every few seconds the entire time I was out there for my cigarette, but it was so far away I couldn't hear it. <laughs> uh, maybe my frustration was turning the weather, you know what I mean? Oh man, I actually also had to re-listen to the rant just to just to make sure that I didn't go overboard and kind of pop the audio or anything like that. <laughs> oh goodness, I am not a fan of the White Cloaks, if, if you noticed. I mean, at least Galad turns them around eventually, right? Uh, I mean, by the end of that, Galad is, Galad's doing good, you know? So, yeah, the White Cloaks, douchebags. No big surprise. T uh, they're talking all their crap, and there's some banter between Bornhold and Lan, you know? It's like, we're going about our business. Well, everybody's our business. It's just, it's just like I said, we're going to fast forward through this encounter to the cool stuff with Moraine, okay? Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so Bornhold obviously recognizes Lan as a bit of a threat, you know, obviously. Calls him a Northlander, you know? Apparently he doesn't recognize Malkir. I mean, he is young. I mean, I bet his father would recognize the Hadori, but apparently, you know, Bornhold Jr. doesn't. I don't know. Uh, and Bornhold insults the governor and practically all of Berylon with his talk of rooting out evil at the root and... Rand, oh Rand, who I want to go easy on, couldn't play it cool for just a few frickin' minutes, brings notice to himself by trying not to bring notice to himself, okay? Even I know that if you don't want to be paid attention to, don't move, don't breathe, don't think. If he wanted to keep himself unnoticed, he should have lounged quietly in the saddle, maybe hunched his shoulders a little bit, and waited. But no! He starts pulling in on himself and trying to duck his head, trying to curl up a little bit and make himself smaller on the saddle. And what does that do? It makes him noticed. It brings Bornhold's attention, of course, because he's acting like a man who doesn't want to be noticed. Rand, come on. I, I really, really want to stop giving Rand shit. I really do, but he needs to stop being such a dumbass for that to happen. 
This is practically all his fault. The fade in the inn, the fade that went to the inn because he told Padon Thane where they were, right? And then Bornhold noticing him because he's trying not to be noticed and, and because of his stupid display earlier in town, which is not, you know, maybe I should let that one go because he was in the middle of his channeling sickness high, but still, it's just, ugh. So now Bornhold notices him. Ah, someone who doesn't wish to be seen. Who, oh, you, you're lucky, Godsman. You were about to let dark friends into the night. Yes, because Rand laughed at you when you got mud splattered on your coat. He's obviously a dark friend. And because Rand is with these people, they're obviously all dark friends, right, Bornhold? You're, you're just... Oh, it just makes so much sense. Your reasoning is so sound, I can't even... Oh, yeah. It makes so much sense. And Moraine has to get nasty just to get them out of town now. You happy, Rand? You happy? I mean, he's just like, You're lucky, Godsman. Now I will just be confiscating these people and taking them to the White Cloak camp and the Questioners. Uh, unless you would like to go in their place, huh? And, and, and Moraine? Oh, blessed Moraine. Oh, Moraine said I. Oh, I'm starting to calm down. You you heard the clip. You heard it because it's awesome. It's, I put it at the beginning of the chapter because it's so amazing. Yeah, she's like, you're going to detain me, White Cloak? You're going to question me? And she all the while she's channeling a badass, awesome mask of mares of the like we've never seen again. We, I think the most we've ever seen the mask of mares reused is when the Aes Sedai from the tower are trying to threaten Rand, and they make themselves... No, no, it was the Aes Sedai from Salidar, because they think one of uh, Rand's Aiel stabbed one of the Aes Sedai, right? So they're trying to make themselves taller and loose theirs, like, they're trying to threaten me? Me? With a mask of mares? Ha! Like, that's the only time I remember it really being used after this, okay? And they only made themselves, like, 20 feet tall, okay? Moraine goes way, way taller than that and freaks everyone the hell out. The guardsmen, the white cloaks, the Emmons fielders. The only one who's making this in stride is Lan because Lan's awesome and he's probably seen something like this before. I, I, Bornhold... <laughs> he wants to try to kill her. He's like, I said I, and he pulls his sword. <laughs> and he lashes out. I mean, he's an asshole, but at least he's not a coward, okay? I can say that about Bornhold. Even in his bullshit in the two rivers where he does nothing. He's not a coward. He didn't hold himself back because he was afraid. He hold himself back because he's a distrustful asshole. That's it. And, and he, he, he gets better... As time goes on, he was probably a little bit under the influence of Pot on Fane around there, too, you know? So, but, oh, Moraine. Oh, she, he swings his sword at her, and her beautiful ivy card staff meets it, and Rand's like, what, that staff can't? Just sparks, and they're thrown back, and his sword is bent at a right angle and half melted. It's just so cool. I feel so much better now. Um, what do you guys think she did to make the sparks? I think 
she probably wrapped her staff in flows of air to make it harder, you know, just a little bit of layer of air around her staff, you know what I mean? Or even if she wanted to use less energy, a little bit of air around the staff she that Bornhold was going to hit, like, the moment he was about to hit, right? Oh, so cool. Moraine is just great. Bornhold is knocked on his ass, and he's afraid, and Moraine just keeps getting taller and taller until she's so huge she blocks out the moon and her gorgeous blue eyes are described as the size of full moons, okay? It's it's just it's just amazing. And Lan takes Moraine's horse by the reins and leads the two rivers folk out of the gate, only stopping about 50 or so paces from the gate. And Moraine just like looks like she's stepping over the 20 foot plus high log wall. Just so cool. And of course, we know it's all illusion. She probably just walked through the gate, right? But it makes me wonder, with the Mask of Mirrors, does she have to change her weave if she's just standing there? Or did she have to do something special because she looked to be stepping over the wall. I'm, I'm just curious about that. Maybe, maybe maybe it looked comical if you were just seeing her. Like like she's stepping through the gate. Like with these with these like as wide and as tall steps as she can. Probably looks pretty silly. But I, I, mm, I love it. I love it. Uh, so she gets to the other side. And once her feet are both firmly placed on the ground. On the opposite side of the gate. She's just back to her normal size just like that because it was all an illusion and she's amazing it just she's so cool she's so cool i love moraine i really hope um pike oh god i already forgot her name her name is a little bit unusual and i'm still trying to remember it roseman pike i really hope she does a good job again i'm not i'm not entirely opposed she's just not what i pictured so i'm i'm holding out hope here i mean these kind of scenes, it makes me wish Moraine had kept her staff more or that um, Jordan had written a lot more use of focus items because that's what the staff was to her. It was a focus. It was something for her to concentrate on. And her use of this staff throughout the first book was so cool. I just wish we'd seen more of it. I really do. So the guards are frantically trying to close the gate while the white cloaks are shouting to keep it open to no avail. Uh, and the only one that was probably shouting was Bornhald. And I don't think his, you know, his buddies hesitated to attack Moraine. Uh, only he attacked. And, I, you know, I, I bet they're kind of trying to hold him back, too. Like, you know, they're like, dude, come on, come on. Did you see that? No, we're not. No, no. Let that let that spawn of evil go, you know, because, you know, their thought process. Uh, Moraine hurries over and uh, gives her horse a loving pat uh, before climbing into the saddle. I love that. Like, maybe uh, she worried that she um, scared her horse or something, so she gives him, you know, a stroke and then gets into the saddle. It's really nice. Um, Egwene is in awe, but Matt and Perrin are, like, you know, sidling away from her a little bit as fast as they can. And Egwene's just, like, babbling. And like, oh, my God, you are taller than a giant. Oh, that's so amazing. And Moraine just plays it cool. She's like, she confirms its illusion. She's like, sometimes the eyes see what isn't there. Like, that's it. She's so cool. And she's like, we got to hurry on. There's no time because Moraine's worried. They lost the small lean they gained resting at the stag and lion because they were found. 
Uh, and I like what she stays here. She hopes the draw car is on the ground tonight. Uh, and then laughs at herself and says, if she's going to wish for the impossible, better the Merdral were truly blind. <laughs> she's a very practical, intelligent, calculating, awesome woman. And Moraine is best. Moraine is amazing. Oh, I love it so much. She made this chapter so much better. I was so frustrated by those damn white cloaks. And Moraine just put them in her place. Put them in her place so well. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so Lan leads them forward towards the Camelin Road. I, I guess they aren't directly on it, so they have to go a little way to get to it. Uh, at a quick walk that wouldn't tire their horses. And they go about an hour on the road when Matt gives a little shout and you look back and they can see smoke and fire as like as if there was a huge bonfire burning in the distant town behind them. Uh, and as I read this chapter, it makes me, you know, think about it, you know, when you're, you don't expect to see the town a mile away, but if you're on fairly fat ground, it's probably totally possible. Um, an hour away, sorry, not a mile away, an hour away. You wouldn't expect to see it. Uh, but again, they were going at a quick walk, and I don't think their terrain was too hilly. So, you know, it's probably not as weird as I first thought when I was reading it. Uh, and Moraine gets a bit upset here. You know, she's like, I warned him, but he wouldn't listen. I warned him. And you could tell she is upset. She probably really liked Master Fitch. And this kind of prompts Perrin to ask, The inn? The stag and lion? How can you be sure? And, oh, okay. Well, my notes just went crazy. Where did they go? I hate this. I had to plug in my mouse to my desktop computer. So now I'm mouseless on my laptop, which I'm reading my notes on. And my laptop has been just really not working well. Um, every I'm really, I feel really lucky right now because, uh, like, five times in the last week, it's just shut down randomly. Like, oh, there's a problem with your computer. We're restarting and checking the problem. And, oh, I'm so lucky it hasn't happened right now. Uh, guards close the gate. Land leads towards the Kinglin Road. Okay, yeah, the stag and lion, how can you be sure? So sorry about that. Uh, and Tom gives an excellent answer. Once again, proving how awesome Tom Marilyn is. Um, he's like, how far do you want to stretch coincidence? It could be the governor's house, but it isn't. And it isn't a warehouse or somebody's kitchen, stove, or your grandmother's haystack. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. He's like, you know... Put things together. There's only one place it could really be. There's not much coincidence going on here. You know, especially with you, Taviran. Oh, actually, that's not true. Oh, wow. Okay, well, regardless, it was very cool. Very cool. And Land riles up Egwene kind of by, you know, stating right after the Gleeman, going, the light might shine upon us yet, you know? And Egwene is indignant. She's like, oh, how dare you? Poor Master Fitch is in his burning you know an innkeeper's daughter of course she'd be upset but moraine responds if they attacked the inn then perhaps her display went unnoticed unless that's what the merger all wants them to think regardless they must press on which they do they don't really have a choice they have to keep going otherwise you know what's the point personally uh i think it was pot on fane pissed that he missed the boys that set the inn on fire uh i don't think it was bornhold as much as i hate the white cloaks 
I feel they're more likely to come in with a few numbers and drag out whoever they feel is a dark friend and take them to their camp. Not set the inn on fire. Like, personally, I, 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 I think it was Pot on Fane being very pissy. Uh, and then this is where Nynaeve opens her mouth this time and gives Moraine the rough side of her tongue. And we all know how rough that is, you know. According to uh, the, the Shinarans, they believe they could, she could, they could skin the hide off a, a boar at 20 paces. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, she's like wondering aloud how the Aes Sedai can be so thoughtless that people may be hurt because of her. That Master Fitch's livelihood was ruined because of her. You know, all about the Aes Sedai. But this l riles Lan up. And he's like, nuh uh. Oh, no, no. Because of them. The fire, the injured, all these going on is because of your two rivers, boys. The fact that the price must be paid is proof it's worth paying. Anything the Dark dark One wants that badly, he must be denied. Unless you want the Fade to have them. And he was just like, like, what can she say to that, you know? It, it makes sense she's frustrated here. Uh, Moraine, though, tells him to be at ease, you know, as, as he, she, he often does. And turns to the Wisdom, explaining that, yes, you think there's something she could do? She's right. She could go back and help at great risk, but the help would have to be small to avoid detections. With white cloaks in town, if she healed anyone too obviously, they'd get almost as much negative attention from the children as Moraine herself would. But leaving would only leave land to protect them, and while he was obviously very good, they'd meet, need more than him if a few if a few Murdral or a Fist of Trollocs found them while, while Moraine was off doing her thing, right? Or they could all return. It would be very difficult to get back in unnoticed. It would only put them near those who set the fire in the first place, not to mention the White Cloaks again. So she's like, okay, Wisdom, what would you have me do? And Nynaeve doesn't have a good answer. She doesn't. She just simply grumbles that she would do something. And you get Nynaeve here. Like, she may have her temper, but it's all about helping people. There's a reason she's the Wisdom. Because she always wants to make people better. She wants to help them. She wants to make sure everyone's okay. And the fact that she's leaving people behind that could be hurt, people that she met, probably is really frustrating her. And she's like, I would do something. And this leads Moraine to say, and most likely, hand the Dark One his victory. Remember what and who he is after. Remember that they are embroiled in a war as surely as anyone in Gildon. But while countless fight there, and only eight here, that changes nothing. The answers aren't always as simple as you might have them face in the Two Rivers. That you might face in the Two Rivers. I'm... I'm sorry. You know, I, I feel bad for Nynaeve here. She really does want to go back and help, but she feels lost. Poor girl. Uh, Moraine did say, though, that she'd be sending money and aid from the White Tower, enough for Master Fitch to rebuild his inn, and money that couldn't be traced to the Aes Sedai and get him trouble with people like Bordhald. Um, and that's all she could do for now, and at least that's something, right? And so, after that, they kind of moved on in a melancholy silence. 
Uh, you know, and they're all too really depressed to talk or anything. You know, at least they feel there. So they, they feel bad. You know, this problem came because of them. You know? Uh, but I do like this little moment where Rand hopes Min is okay. You know, like, you know, he all he did was run away from her and everything. And, oh, I hope he do she doesn't find me again and all. But, you know, as it is going on, she's like, I hope that girl's okay. <laughs> Which is, yeah. So, after some distance was placed between them and Berlon, let them land, let them stop for an hour to sleep. Which really doesn't seem that long when you think about it, unless Moraine's doing the, uh, healing again. I mean, personally, it takes me a good 20-30 minutes to get to sleep unless I'm, like, completely exhausted. You know, and if my adrenaline was peaked up like that, I mean, I'd probably fall asleep 20 minutes before land shook me awake. That doesn't sound good at all. Oh, man. So, in the quiet before this short sleep, Matt spoke to the other boys. And at first, he's spouting a little bit of nonsense nervously, you know, just wanting to start, you know. He's wondering what Dav did with that badger. <laughs> Which sounds like something Matt would wonder, but it sounds more like something we get as a, a thought in his head during, like, a POV, right? Uh, you know, but he's, that, that's just him just starting off, you know, breaking the silence. Uh, before he nervously says what was actually worrying him. He thought they were safe. Other than a bad dream that they all had, you know? They hadn't really encountered anything since crossing the Taran. But after this, will they ever be safe again? Rand ironically answers with, not until they get to Tarvalin, which, you know, coming from the source is actually kind of funny. Because Rand actually only goes to Tarvalin like once. And that was with a quick chat with Egwene before leaving, right? I'm going to break the sails. Uh, I'll let you gather time and figure out what you're going to do. Bye-bye. You know, that's pretty much it. That's the only time he was there, ever there. Come on, cat. Don't knock over my stuff. You're being a pest. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so other than, you know, that one time, he's never actually goes to Tarvalin, uh, and Perrin wonders if they'll be safe even there, and Perrin never goes to Tarvalin. Wait, no, doesn't he have actually, like, doesn't he go there and tell Ron Riyadh once, uh, when he's fighting, uh, Slayer? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, anyways. So, that's where the chapter ends, with a bleary-eyed gang woken up by Lan and pressing on in the early hours, eating bread and cheese and hugging their cloaks close to them in the chill, while Lan, perfectly alert, not, like, only, pu like, pushing his cloak back, not even huddling in, pushing his cloak back so his sword is uh, revealed, leads them warily onward as if he expects an ambush. Which, as we know will happen in the next chapter. Um, <laughs> which also makes me laugh at Moraine's earlier, what if a, a few Merdral and a Fist of Trollocs find you? You know, because that's what we're going to encounter in the next chapter. Tyshar Manetherin, Tyshar um, Malkir. Let, you know, they're going to have their first little battle charge. And Matt's going to spout some old tongue. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, wow, this chapter went on a little bit longer than I estimated. Um, we're almost at an hour and a half. 
Uh, I was just going to talk about some nonsense crap, but uh, I think we pushed it a little too far. So I hope you enjoyed uh, this chapter in my discussion. Sometimes I worry I go a little too in-depth that, you know, I'm covering point by point and giving my opinion on it, you know. And, you know, what's the point of rereading the books when you can just listen to this? But I still think the books are obviously better than my discussions here. <laughs> um, but uh, anybody who listened... Uh, all the way through. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to let me know anything, if you want to criticize anything, if you want to give me support, uh, email me at thegleemanradio at gmail.com. Comment on whatever you can. Or, you know, send me a tweet at thegleemanradio. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about having a Q&A with Balsamon eventually. If any of you are interested in that, I might eventually put up a post and just have you guys put out a bunch of questions for him. Maybe we'll do something like that. That might be fun. Uh, there won't be as big of a gap from this chapter to the next as there was before. I guarantee that because we're done with all of that, you know, stuff from before. Here we're going to battling with Trollocs, and then we're going to Shadar Logoth. <coughs> oh my god, excuse me. And then we're going to, uh, you know, we're, we're Perrin's going to be a wolf brother, and we're going to meet Bael Doman, and then we're going to get to Camelin and meet Loyal, and then we're going to go straight to the, you know, the ways. I mean, there's just so much awesome coming up. I don't think I'll be able to contain myself. I don't think I will be able to wait. So I'll have to keep pushing forward, you know? Um, I really enjoy rereading these or listening to them on the audiobook. I enjoy talking to you guys in the mic. Uh, you know, honestly, the, the most time-consuming process is the chapter notes. Um, you know, I'm on chapter 18, and I'm on a page 133 of my notes. I'm halfway, I'm, I'm, I'm like halfway through book one, and I'm on 133 pages. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. Uh, also, uh, if anybody out there is an artist, I'm thinking about putting a little competition up in the next month or so. Uh, you know, like uh, putting forth a prize for someone who does the best Gleeman Radio fan art. You know, I'd love to, you know... I'm, I'm using some official images that make me a little uncomfortable. They're gorgeous. They're amazing. They're so cool. But, you know, I, I'd love if someone could draw me up a Gleeman that looks like me. Uh, you know, so I might throw up a picture of myself one of these days and have you guys go at it. And the winner could win a copy of the Wheel of Time Companion. Or they could win um, one of the comics from the Eye of the World. You know, something like that, or Taviran T. Uh, let me know anything you're interested about, and we'll uh, we'll give it a go. So, uh, well, I don't see any other point. I think I'm just rambling. So, I hope you guys have a wonderful day, wherever you are, morning, afternoon, or evening. Take care. Peace out. Bye.